Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, welcome this morning to Church Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We have been in a series looking closely at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we've looked at how Jesus calls us to a deeper life of uh, often unsettling us with some of how he confronts cultural norms of his day and for us as well. But nowhere is the challenge of the Sermon on the Mount greater than what we're going to look at today. Nowhere is the distinctiveness of the Christian way of life more obvious than what Jesus has for us today. This is, uh, this is one where Jesus is teaching of the Sermon on the Mount where it's easy to understand and hard to do. We put this message right before Palm Sunday and Easter because it's important for us to see how Jesus puts what we're talking about today into practice. Nowhere is our need of the power of God's Spirit more necessary than what we're going to look at today. So if you remember from a few weeks ago, we mentioned that our internal attitudes lead to external actions and that God cares about both. Well, in today's teaching, it reinforces this reality again. This is really good stuff, but it's really difficult to live into. So let's get into it. Matthew 5, 38 through 42, and it says this. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you in the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Now this is a powerful passage of scripture uh, that we hear from Matthew, that we hear from Jesus' mouth. And I want to tell you a story because I have a story that matches almost exactly this scenario. Many years ago, I worked at a church in Beaverton, Oregon, helping to do facility stuff. I would go around room to room, set up chairs, get sound stuff ready in order for those rooms to be used by many different groups coming to use the church building. Well, there was one member of that church uh, who used to be this old Air Force veteran, and he was a little grumpy most days. He uh, gave me a CD of songs that, uh, that he wanted me to listen to. I listened to it, and it was a great CD. Uh, and so I brought it back to the church, and I put it in a particular drawer near the Welcome Center and uh, ready to give back to him. One day he came asking me for that, and I forgot that I had put it in that drawer. And I didn't know where I put it. Well, he was really upset. And so what he did when I told him I couldn't find it is that he looked at me and he slapped me across the face. And I didn't know what to do in that moment. And so I just looked at him and I said, you can't do that. <laughs> and then in, in, uh, I think it was like a day later, I remembered where I had put that CD and got it back to him. But what a, an interesting scenario, something I'd never faced before in that moment, uh, being slapped across the face and having to respond in a particular way. Now, I'm, I'm thankful I didn't respond by slapping back. We'll talk about that as we go on. 
but I just want to share this really funny, surprising story from my life as we think about the context of what Jesus is teaching us here. I mean, the scripture says an eye for an eye, right? Slap for slap. Let's do this. We're all sinners. Maybe that's how I should have responded, right? But Jesus says that's not actually the tendency that I want you to develop. In fact, I don't uh, want you to take revenge on those who've wronged you. So, okay, hold up, Jesus. You're going to have to help me with this one. This is difficult to live into. You know, one of the reasons Jesus' teaching bothers us so much is that it strikes against our sense of fairness and our sense of what is right and wrong. We get angry when others lie about us, when they cheat us, when they steal from us, or in my case, when I get slapped in the face and that person gets away with it. We want to do something about it. A few weeks ago, we talked about how uh, there's a place for anger and that there's a place for justice. And those things are true, but those things need to be done in a particular way, in God's way. So remember, Jesus got angry. He overturned tables that were, he used a whip to drive people out of the temple when they were taking advantage of the sacrificial system of their day, charging people who couldn't afford it for the necessities of temple worship, right? Okay, now we're talking, Jesus. I should have said to that guy who slapped me, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus' example. Hold on, I'm going to go get my whip. I'll be right back, right? (laughs) So, no, but let's quickly give a little context to what we're talking about today to help understand a little bit more clearly how Jesus is reframing this for his listeners. Jesus, in the scripture that we read today, addresses an Old Testament law which the disciples would have known very well. It's called the Law of Retribution, and it comes from Exodus 21, verses 23 through 25. The punishment must match the injury. A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, and a bruise for a bruise. Now, that's a lot of things, right? And it sounds very familiar uh, because this is the text that Jesus was referencing and what we're looking at today in this passage on the Sermon on the Mount. Most modern people and even Jesus in Jesus' day, for those who are listening to him, they hear these words expressing the right for revenge, our right to get back. But in the Old Testament context, the law of retribution actually served to limit the amount of retaliation a person could seek. Also, this Old Testament law of retribution pertained to the law courts and to the judgment of God. So the purpose of the law of retribution was to give judges a guide and a foundation for what justice was and what it was supposed to look like. It did two things. Uh, First, it defined justice. It specified the punishment which a wrongdoer deserved. In this case, it was limited. It limited the punishment to an exact equivalent and no more. Second, the law of retribution restrained revenge. It prohibited the taking of the law into one's own hand by the vengeance practices of a family feud in the ancient world. Historically, it seems that Jews had made this law ground for taking action privately and often with a vindictive spirit. Revenge was often carried to an extreme, more evil being returned than what had been received. 
but the law of retribution was for judges adjudicating wrongs. It was not to be applicable for personal vendettas that one might have. You see, what happened and what is still happening in our day uh, is that people took matters into their own hands. You hit me, I'm going to put you in the hospital. You steal my shirt, I'm going to steal your shirt and your shoes, right? You say something negative about me, I'm going to spread rumors that can destroy your character. So what started out as a law of fairness to restrict extremes in Israel way back when turned into an opportunity for many to try to take it much further. And then Jesus comes along and he says, uh, like he's been doing over and over and over again, this is actually a matter of the heart. The question that we have to ask ourselves in, is, at times when we face injustice or pain, where, when does our desire for fairness and justice cross over to a desire for revenge and payback? The heart issue is again one of trusting God to do what we cannot truly do for ourselves. See, Jesus isn't asking us to be pushovers, but he is asking us to be governed by something different than anger and a desire for revenge when we're wrong. Now, this is really hard stuff. It's certainly a heart issue, and it's also about our ability to trust God to be the one to deal justly with the person or situation that has wronged us. So let me ask you a question. If I had slapped that guy back in the face, would that have solved anything? Do you think that he would have turned around and said, oh, you know what? I've learned my lesson. Thank you so much, Kyle. Would he have become generous in that moment and said, thank you for showing me the error of my ways. Now I'm going to go change, right? No, it certainly would have escalated the situation. That's what the desire for revenge, taken, um, when we want to do that on our own, that's what it does. It escalates and it quickly takes us back to seeing people as something to be destroyed, used, or less than what they were created to be, that is, or what they are, made in the image of God. Yeah, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. Again, let's read it again. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say do not resist the evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. We've talked about this a lot, but Jesus is highlighting tendencies of the people of God and getting, and getting back at someone or seeking revenge is not part of those tendencies. The hard part of this, and what is also so unsettling, is that we are defined by the love of Christ in our lives, which means that uh, we must be willing to redirect the, the consequences of some of the injustice that we've experienced onto God's to-do list. Okay, God, this is now yours to deal with. That's hard, but what that does is it allows us to take a different path, one which is lighter and less burdensome, more reliant on the character of our loving Father who can carry that. Justice, that is making things right, is ultimately and eternally up to God anyway. And and can I just tell you, and I think we all know this, but God can do justice better than any of us can. In many places throughout the scriptures, we are encouraged to let God handle these kinds of things. 
In 1 Samuel 24, 12 through 15, we find this powerful moment between David and King Saul when Saul is trying to capture and kill David. It reads like this. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you're trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. Proverbs 20, 22 says, Don't say I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. In Romans 12, 18 through 21, we read, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. These are powerful things and difficult to live into. See, Jesus not only taught this in, in the Sermon on the Mount, but he modeled it in the days and, and weeks and months to come following this teaching. As he was wrongly arrested and taken to the cross, his captors spat on him. They blindfolded him. They struck him in the face. They crowned him with thorns. They clothed him with imperial garments. They gave him a kingly scepter, right? They jeered at him. Hail the king of the Jews, they said. They knelt before him in mockery. And Jesus, with love in his heart, held his peace during all of this, saying while he's on the cross, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Incredible. Internal attitudes lead to external actions and God cares about both. And oh, is Jesus pushing us along the way in this truth today? We know that in this world, we're going to have trouble. We've all faced a year of that. But Jesus says, take heart for he has overcome the world. We can trust him. Love and generosity and kindness can in actually increase our capacity for relying on God in the major difficulties of life. A desire to take things into our own hands and to let anger, hate, re and revenge rule our heart actually has the opposite effect, decreasing our capacity for reliance on God in these really key moments of life. So how's your, mo how's your heart this morning? Uh, you're, you're probably getting me tired of hearing me ask that question. Uh, but I'm asking because Jesus, in just a moment, takes it even further than just not seeking revenge on our own. In Matthew 5, 43 through 48, he actually says, You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
Okay, hold up, Jesus. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, So not only do you want me to rely on you in matters of justice when I feel wronged, but now you want me to actually love my enemies? Really? And Jesus says, yes. Uh, Jesus says it's more than just not seeking revenge. I want you to show love to the person or situation that you can consider to be your enemy. This is really hard stuff. This is tough. Christ calls us to move from uh, just seeking revenge to active love. This is graduate level following Jesus kind of stuff. And it's okay if we are in process as we work through this kind of living. Because I know very well that life is hard. People can be horrible and pain is very, very real. We should certainly be wise in our dealings with people. But again, Jesus is trying to shape our heart and our tendencies. I'm I'm struck in this passage by Jesus' insistence that evil does not win. You see, love breaks the cycle of evil because love is redemptive where evil is destructive. Break the cycle of the destructive tendencies of hate and revenge that exist in our world. That's Jesus' idea. And he says, you will be people uh, who do that with love. We're called to be Christ-like, to counter evil with good, to allow Christ to live in and through us. The closest you will become Uh, You you will come to being like God himself is when you can show love to your enemy. When your heart is full of kind regard and generosity and redemption toward another human being, also in need of God's light and God's love. Now that might mean that we need to do some healing first. I know many of us have experienced some incredible hardship and pain in life. And Jesus is telling us here that ultimately love will win. So are we people who understand that it could be part of this process? For Jesus' listeners, and maybe for some of us, this can be a radical change in thinking and in our approach to people and situations in our lives. Culturally, it's a timely message for a number of reasons. We are called to active involvement in spreading the love of God to those around us and to our communities around us, even to our enemies. So we follow God's example. Jesus says God's love for his enemies is even shown by the fact that he gives sunshine to the evil and the good people on the earth, right? That he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So even in the basic necessities of life, God does not discriminate between those who love him and those who don't. And he he models and Jesus models this for us over and over in his life. So this morning, as we hear Jesus teach us, we're encouraged to be people who lean into trusting God, who are more reliant on him to work out justice rather than taking things uh, into our own hands. And we're encouraged to be people doing our best to live with hearts ruled by love that extends even to those that we might consider to be our enemies. I want to encourage you this week. We can do this. Take some time to reflect to pray on these things that we've heard this morning. You know, often anger and bitterness can linger quietly uh, in our heart and in our mind. So let's open this week all parts of who we are uh, and, uh, to Jesus and ask him to change our hearts, uh, transform our lives, and, and consume our minds as we do our best to trust in him more and more every day uh, and to live out lo- a life of love to those who are around us. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful for this message, and we're reminded as we move closer to Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter of the love that you have for all of us, the way uh, that you sacrificed yourself so that we may be redeemed and restored, so that we may be connected with your heart and that we can be people who trust in you, rely on you, and God, that we can be people that are your hands and feet, uh, spreading and sharing the love that you have for all people, even to our enemies in this world. Help us reflect this week uh, to, to ask deep, hard questions of ourselves to ask where might I not be living into trusting you for, for uh, justice? Where, where might I have uh, uh, hate or anger in my heart um, for a, a particular person or a particular situation? God, fill us with love. Help us work through those things. We thank you that you are God, you are uh, in control, and you guide us and lead us along the way. We love you, and in your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship.